0: Hello, and welcome to the Loft Podcast. This week, we will be continuing our God So Loved series. Get ready to have your thinking challenge and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. So, yes, let's pray before we have the word of God this morning. God, would you come and would you breathe life into this word? Would you watch over your word to perform it, God? God, we don't want to go anywhere that you're not going. We don't want to get outside anything that you're not doing. We just want to follow your will and your heart, God, in this room. In Jesus' name, make the word come alive to us this morning. Amen. So we're going to we're gonna jump right into our word this morning. If you remember, last week we started a new series. It's called For God So Loved the World. And we're talking about things that we think we already know about, but in evidence of our of our lives we know that we don't really know the questions are who is god what is love and who is the world that he loves and why does he love it so much and i think another question to answer would be and what am i supposed to do with this love of god that's been shed abroad in my heart and last week we ended in a spot where we talked about the love of god for humanity is that he gave a son for a whole world for redemption of sin and we talked about how would you give a child for another person and we talked about my daughter would I give my daughter's life for your life no way this is where we ended last week you would be out if I had to give her heart for your heart but Jesus did the very thing you know that that I'm talking about here gave his life for your life and then it's our turn to give our life for his okay For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life and that everlasting. And so this morning, I want to ask this question as we get going. We're going to ask this every week in different ways, but point blank today, who is God to you? And you have to be able to have some kind of an answer. If you really say that you're a Christian, if you really say that you love God, well, who is he? You can define me by characteristics, maybe by what I do, what I look like, what kind of roles I, I have in the world, if you know me. And the better you know me, the more accurately you'll be able to do that. And so you can't just like, hey, I believe you, God. I surrender my heart to you in salvation. I'm bought with a price, and then poof, I know everything about you. It's not like that. It is a process. It is a long process. Everyone say process. process. It takes a lifetime. It is a lifetime process of getting to know God with clarity and understand who he is. So, a couple things I thought of, you know, who is he to you? Is he a comforter to your life? Yes. Is he the is he the leader of your life? Is he your source and provider? Is he the help that you call to in times of need? Is he the man upstairs? Is he the Lord? Is he salvation? Is he redemption? He's all those things. And yet he's holy. He's absolutely holy and he's absolutely personal. How do you combine holy and personal? And that's exactly what he does, and it's the miracle of, of for God so loved the world. And so with all that in mind, I want us to think about that God so loved the world today that he gave us a spiritual DNA, a spiritual genetic to inherit. Your genetic code, what you're made of, what you look like, what you're Your face looks like Scott and I were on a Snapchat app the other day, and there's, you know, the Snapchat is supposed to make you look amazing in its filters, but on occasion, they will put in something ridiculous like gigantic teeth or puppy dog face. I don't know, something ridiculous, it's fun. And there was one yesterday, and it had old person. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. You know, I showed it to Scott, I go, look, this is what you're gonna look like in 20 years. And he goes, oh, it's my dad. It was kind of funny, and I thought, yeah, it's a genetic code. It's, it's your genetics, what has made you up, how you think even sometimes, what you believe. All of that comes from your people. You're a product of your upbringing, a product of your environment. The thing about the DNA of God is that it supersedes physical DNA. The thing about the DNA of God is that it can reform your personality the dna of god it, you're still going to look the same you're still going to have your same desire your same bents your same choices that you make you're going to you're going to walk in the same kind of a idea of who you are you don't get a lobotomy you don't just forget everything that you are you don't just my favorite color used to be blue and now it's all of a sudden yellow because of the streets of gold that's weird that's not what we're talking about we're talking about how god can set his hand on your life and your life can be transformed by the Miracle of spiritual DNA, because he is our Father, and if God is our Father, then he has set up for us an inheritance alongside of his Son Jesus. Okay, and that's the things I want to break down and talk about in the weeks ahead. We're going to talk about an Abrahamic covenant. We're going to understand that God's so love the world; He gave us a covenant. We're going to talk about a blood covenant. You know, things that God gave us that we don't understand. Have you ever heard of stories where there's all this money out there that, that no one claimed? There was an inheritance, but no one claimed it, so it's left for the state or it goes to wherever it goes. Have you ever gotten an email like that? I, mean, I get stuff like that on occasion. Sometimes it's a scam. I know that. I don't buy into everything because it'll say, well, hey, when you were in this position and, you know, this was a lawsuit that came and you're entitled to... This $25,000, if you just click here, and I'm like, well, I was never there, so I'm pretty sure you got the wrong person. You know, I mean, there's logic and common sense that God gives us to reason things out, but what I'm talking about is, you know, if you receive a letter, I just watched this whole show on, on uh, Netflix called Downton Abbey. It's really good. It's very clever. It's beautiful. The cinematography is fantastic, and it's, it's fairly clean, fairly. So it has the idea of, um, of an inheritance, uh, an heir, And he didn't know he was supposed to be the heir. He's like the 10th in line, but all of a sudden, he's the one. It's the same thing with you and God. You think that you're not enough. You think you're not worthy. I mean, that's for somebody else. The gospel is always for somebody else. And all these things are weighty and lofty. And those things are for someone else, but not me. Like, I can't walk in those kinds of things. But you have an inheritance. You just have to claim it. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. God can do exceedingly. Above anything that we can do. I guarantee it. And people leave inheritance for their children all the time. And God has left an inheritance for you that you get while you're alive. You get it now while he's alive. He's left inheritance for you. I think this is a powerful word. If, If you walk out of here with anything today, understand that you have an inheritance. You have to decide if you want to claim it. My friend Candace, you know, in California, just she lost her mom not too long ago, and I think that's vague enough that it wouldn't identify her completely. But she lost her mom, and when I was there talking with her, there was a, there was a, well, she's grieving, but there was a time in the stories that we shared where she said, you know what? what really breaks my heart the most is that my mom is gone, and she's never gonna know that full victory. She's never gonna know who she could have been in the kingdom of God. she's never She never let it all go. She was never able to just step right into her full calling and purpose. And she's like, my heart is just broken for that. All the potential, everything she could have been, all of her gifting is just gone. And it can't happen now. She's gone. And there was a moment where she had a discovery that that even though she passed every curse that she had on her life that forbid her from overcoming, died with her and would never haunt her again in Jesus' name. And And beyond that, she raised her hand and said, hey, God, everything that was meant for my family line, in the the light of inheritance, in the light of anointing, what you meant to flow through my family that my mom didn't pick up, pick me. And can you put that on my life, God? And as a matter of fact, my dad too. And it was a very powerful conversation that we had on the side of a mountain there and driving around in the mountains of Malibu and stuff. But God is speaking something about inheritance. What what does God want you to get out of this life? Because it's a lot more than where we are today. I guarantee it. Ooh, good good God, help me say this stuff. So, if we're joint heirs with Jesus, and we're set up to inherit the things of God, let's look at what the Bible says exactly about it. Okay, Romans three nine. Would you stand up one more time? We'll lean in. Respect the word of God. You lean in while I read. And this stuff here is just really a continuation of the things we taught before from the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we looked at how things were laid out. Now we're reading some of the books that were actually written during the time that we read about the events in Acts, okay? So when you read through Paul's letters, you're gonna be able to fill in gaps of what actually God is trying to say through these teachings. Let's lean into here to Romans eight. You are not the flesh, but the spirit. I know it says you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, but I want you to understand you are a spirit that lives in a body. You're not a body dragging around your spirit. Your body is going to die one day and decay. Your spirit is going to live forever. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we're not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God and the daughters. It's sons means mankind, it's everybody. Verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You can sit down. I just wanted you to see that God speaks about this kind of stuff. He has adopted you as his own. Adopted children are the children that are chosen. They're the ones that the parents actually want. They didn't even pick them. They just got them. And they kept them and they chose them. And that's what God says. We are We are called by the spirit of adoption. He is our father. I just wanted us to know that. We're his his kids now. When you come into the light of God and the salvation, you've had that experience and you understand that Jesus is the Messiah and you know that he's the Christ, then you become his kids. And not just a little bit, but to the fullness of the, the measure of Jesus Christ himself. Let's look at that. You can stay seated, but lean in. This is another letter that Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians four eleven he said he himself gave some in the church to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What for? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, to edify, to build up, to encourage the body of Christ. That's you, until all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we're perfect man, unto to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's crazy to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would no longer be like little children tossed to and fro, carried around with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men, by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we might grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, knit together with every joint, supplies itself. You guys, this is good. This right here is the inheritance for the saints of God. And if we read over it like it just says, blah, 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 I've heard that before, but we don't tap into it, then we're leaving the inheritance on the table when it's ours. We have to want it. See, there's a couple things that happen for a physical inheritance. There's some laws that actually have to be laid out. Things get written down. Things are signed. There's a law to be fulfilled. And then there's a process until you get the cash in your hand idea, right? Well, you have to understand that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the laws of sin and death, which is what that said there in Romans, that we now live according to our life in the spirit, not according to the flesh anymore. That's our inheritance. That's our right. And God loved the world so much that he gave us his inheritance to walk free from the law of sin and death. The wage of sin is death. Does that mean you're never going to sin? No, you're a human, but it means you shouldn't do it on purpose. And on occasion, you do it on purpose, and if you're, you get quicker and quicker to repent until you don't do it anymore. See, what it is is we don't want to. We don't want to, and that's where we have to understand the heart of God that we have inherited that will change us from the inside out so that we will want to, and we will preaching better than you're responding it's a normal sunday i like that that's good to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ and i think it's safe if we just say that most of us are probably not living up to our inheritance including myself who can stand up to the measure of jesus stature not me that's why i have christ in me to be the hope of glory so there's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't have to wander around and be tossed to and fro with every kind of idea or temptation or doctrine or weird thinking, political changes. I don't have to, I don't have to be tossed around by any of that because Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's my inheritance as his daughter because I'm now his kid. He owns me. He wants me. He signed on the line in blood. I want her. I'm taking her. She is mine. She's not going to be perfect in this. But she's going to be with me, so it's going to look real good. Okay? God for us, not against us. It's a good idea. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8.2. His law is this. He gave his life for my life, and I get that. So now I give my life for his. But I don't want to. That's up to you. But you're in church this morning, and I'm going to teach you a couple things. God brought you here on purpose with a purpose. You're listening intentionally to gain some kind of clarity, to glean some kind of wisdom, to to get closer to the presence of God, to learn who he is in the world today. And his life for my life is huge. And I'm still alive. I just live as a witness all the days that I'm still breathing. We enter a process with an incredible gift. We just read in Ephesians. How do we do that, Lisa? How do we follow the process? Well, God's given us apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets. We follow them. We li- we check in. We listen. Who are you listening to? Listen to who you're listening to and check in with that. Do some study on your own. Make an effort. You know, it, it's never going to change until you want it to change, and then you make a step in the direction. God is constantly pulling us closer to his heart. He's constantly setting us up to run into him, smack into him again. There's another Christian. There was another testimony. There was another story. There was another act of kindness, and I bump into him all the time, and his goodness, and his glory, and then if that's not enough, he weighs on your heart. He puts a little hook in there, and he just pulls it with this goodness, with this kind of word, and he's given us in this church, and in every church, evangelists, Pastors, prophets, apostles, teachers, that we might be able to learn how to connect with him, connect yourself with it. It's a good word. Three things I want us to ponder about the inheritance of God this morning. Three things we inherit automatically from the word of God. The first thing is we inherit the mind of Christ. And I'll just tell you the three. The second is the heart of God. And the third is the spirit of God. But the first thing I want to talk about is the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2.16 says this, who has known the mind of Christ? Who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? Well, no one, but you know what? We have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and his purposes. And I studied out of the Amplified Bible a little bit this week, just to get a little bit of sauce behind what we're talking about, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of expounding on these words that we might understand because sometimes if you read the same translation over and over again, it gets a little, you remember and it feels habitual. Well, if you get a different translation, it'll pour something else out to you completely. So that's what I studied from this time. And I think this scripture right here gives us security to know that we don't have to just think sad thoughts. We don't have to keep a bad thought in our head. We don't have to be tormented by bad ideas, wrong ideas, harmful words. You know, the, the line we've said it before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but, man, words, they stay forever, and they do and they hurt that's why we come in close to have a redeemed mind like the mind of christ so that we don't have to carry around all those broken bits over and over again but it's never going to change unless we want it to change you understand that like like for some people if i'm just being honest i mean isn't it fun to talk bad about people it is you know it is don't lie you you talk bad about other people you and sometimes as christians we have a habit where we put it under the guise of well i can share this with you because you know you're, you're a pastor, and you know, you're know you going to be able to pray about this, and I'm just going to share this with you, and then just let me throw up all the stuff I know about somebody. Okay, We do it all the time, and I'm not saying I don't like it. I do. It makes me feel better about myself. If I can say something bad about somebody else and get your eyes on somebody else's mess, maybe it makes me stand a little taller or feel a little better. See, I like what it does for me, but I don't like what happens in me because then I got some dirty little morsel on the inside, and I don't know how to get rid of it just like any other habit in life, food, man, I sure did like eating it. It was delicious going down, but now it's on my body forever until I get rid of it and get the mind of Christ again, get renewed and change what I'm doing. Your habits are everything in thought life. They're everything in your life. Your habits make up the sum of who you are. What do you do in your everyday life? What is happening in your day-to-day life that needs to change? Make yourself a short list. In this church, we get out our phones and take notes. And then we take a picture of the screen if there's something that you need to think about. That's how we take notes here. You're free to do it. And if something stands out to you like, man, make a short list of the habits that I'm doing that I don't want to be doing. That's how Paul said it. Man, the thing I want to do, I'm not doing. The thing I don't want to do, I'm doing. Who can rescue me from my body of death? Jesus can. Because you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind set to be able to change it. It's very powerful. You have the mind that can bring down a stronghold. You can, you can have the mind that can meditate on the word of God that can renew your mind with the word of God to change you. Yeah, you've inherited that. Why are you still preaching that, Lisa? because I want to see it come to fruition so that when I run into you, we're like-minded, and you're sparking something in me that I didn't think of that morning, and you're bringing a scripture to mind that maybe I didn't read this week, and you're telling me something that God did in your life that is powerful because you know why? you got the mind of Christ, and you're able to speak something good to the, to the room and to the table and to the circumstance, to the situation, and you're talking good about other people, and you're seeing what God has done in them, and you're and you're proclaiming it. I'm going to brag on Don for a second. Don texts me all the time. Don is single. He texts me all the time. And does Don text anybody else? Oh, everybody. Um, So here's the thing, Don, I love that. You know what? That's called accountability, brother. That's called having a family around you. And so Don, just like all of us, has had things happen in his life before, you know, where things that want to call you and draw you back in. I didn't even tell him I was going to talk about this. It's okay though. It's going to be good. So Don, he texts everybody. Y'all know anyways but here's the thing. He was tempted this week. He's been on vacation. Single man, had a little idle time, could do anything he wanted, and had a temptation. And instead of following the temptation, you know what he did? He, he texted his pastor. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about this. Haven't thought about it in a long time. And you know what I said? Don't you dare do that. You're a child of God. You're blood bought. You matter. You take what you were going to do there and you figure another way to be a blessing to somebody. He goes, that is right. Where's our parking lot fund at? I'm going to take that money and put it. That's right. It's Scott's birthday. I'm going to send him a coffee. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be the man of God. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And you know what, Don? God bless that. You're becoming aware that you are a child of God. And that's how you walk. You break habits that are bad and you walk into the habits that are good. You have the mind of Christ to make a decision that's powerful. And then I love you. I didn't mean to embarrass you by any means. I want you all to know that's an example. And I, I can credit it to this too. This year, he also became a tither. Yeah. A tither. It's hard to stop a tither. Because you put your money in where your mouth is. And you put your, you, when your money is in, is in something invested, you're going to do some things to make sure it rises and not falls. You're going to do everything you can do to make it happen. God bless you, Don. You've inherited it. You have the mind of Christ. I wasn't even planning on saying all that, Don, but it just kept ringing in my ear. Ooh, good God. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, let's meditate on those things because what's in our mind is what's going to come out of our mouths. Mm -mm -mm. Secondly, the heart of God. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, man, they have a pure heart or And I just love the heart of that. I I love how that is. It's kind of similar to having a spirit about something, but it's a little different. In 1 Samuel, the Lord sought out for himself a man called David after his own heart. And the Lord appointed him as a leader and a ruler over the people. It's amazing. God wants us to pursue his heart. You know, when you think a person has a pure heart, you think a person has good motives, what kind of heart do you think God has? What, what do you think God's heart is for the economy or for people? What is God's heart? Because you have inherited it, his heart in you. Am I speaking over your head, or do you get that? His heart in you. You know, Stacey and I were talking about this yesterday, and she goes, I love the thoughts of this, but I almost can't even grasp it myself. How am I supposed to be like him? Little bit by little bit, one day at a time, one scripture after another, little by little with your pursuit after him. Man, it's so good. Is it something that you can teach or is it something you have to catch? In Ezekiel 11, let's go a little Old Old Testament for a minute. This is a beautiful idea and imagery. It says, thus says the Lord God to the people. I will gather you from the peoples. I will assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give back to you the land of Israel. Say that to yourself. You know that God might have had you scattered. Your your people might be scattered right now. You you might not even know exactly where you're supposed to land. But if you can take this word and apply it to your life today, that God is saying, I'm going to gather you. I'm going to cause you to come into assembly. I'm going to bring back what you've lost. I'm going to set it in place. I'm going to give you more people than you ever had before. I'm going to set your feet on a rock. You're not going to live in a miry clay. You thought it was over. It was just beginning. You just turn the page. There's something new. My heart for your life, the heart of God. And here's what he says. I will give back to you the land of Israel. And when they return there, they will remove from it all the traces of its detestable things, all the repulsive things, all the remnants of paganism. Here it is. And I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. I will take from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And not just a heart of flesh, but one that is responsive to my touch. Thank you, God, for the Amplified Bible and the message. They're, they're awesome. When we sit with the heart of stone, we're unable to understand what God's trying to do. We don't, we don't care. We don't want it. But if we'll ask God to come before... God touches us and puts in a heart of flesh in that place of stone we remove all the detestable things and we get ourselves in a in a place where God can actually move and we make a choice to move toward what God is calling us to rather than away from and you know how that happens you have to hate the thing more than you like what it does for you you have to hate what it does in you forever more than you like what's happening in the moment and when you remove the detestable thing, and I know I do this myself all the time. You know, pastors stand up here in pulpits, and, and people think they have everything together and everything's perfect. Man, that is the biggest crock. We're humans. We're humanity. We have the same kind of struggles. I mean, yeah, we grow in God. Yes, we overcome obstacles. Well, then we face newer, bigger ones. The devil always wants to take us out. And we have to remove the detestable things that God might put in us a heart of flesh and remove a stony heart that we would care, that we would want our inheritance for God so loved the world. Put a heart in in me that's responsive to your touch, God. Can you pray like that? Put a heart in me that responds to what you're saying, God, that I might know, that I might understand you, that I could linger in your presence. And lastly, something you've inherited that you may or may not know, that you may not have claimed yet, that you might not have gotten into the legality of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and set beside the law of sin and death that you might receive it and then began a process with evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers. Maybe you didn't do that yet, but the last thing that I'm going to talk about today, and there's many, 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 many other promises and many other things that you inherit, but these are the three big ones that I taught today, that I thought of today. The spirit of God. You know, there's a spirit associated with things. Halloween's coming up. It'll be the fall. We'll have some kind of little, you know, little fun time out on the parking lot together, and have our little chili contest, and all those fun things will happen, and it'll be great. But but listen, there's a spirit about Halloween. If I just mentioned that, and you're not a Christian, you don't think of Loftoberfest and, you know, having a, just a really clean, fun time. You think of, man, uh, Halloween, it's scary. There's a spirit of, like, trickiness and trick-or-treat and witchcraft and ghosts and witches and all that stuff. And it's like a spirit of fear, a spirit of thrill, a spirit of Halloween. There's something associated with it. Do you get that? Think about a wedding. If you go to a wedding, totally different event. There's a, there's a spirit of, like, ooey-gooey butter cake, man. It's just, like, there's a spirit of hope. There's new love, and there's a spirit of promise, and there's just, like, this spirit of, like, what could be in the future at a wedding? It's powerful. Different kinds of spirits hang on different kinds of things. Will you have a spirit in you. What is your spirit like? If you were going to describe yourself, what is your spirit like? And whatever it is, you've inherited the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit himself. You have it. Look right here in Scripture. Ephesians 1 It's also the Amplified. In him, in Christ Jesus, we have received an inheritance, a destiny. We were claimed by God as his own, having been predestined. Yeah, that's another message for another day. Chosen, appointed beforehand, according to the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and designs of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ who were first to put our confidence in him as our Lord and Savior, would exist to praise his glory. Why do you worship so long, Lisa? Because we were predestined and, and designed that we might exist to praise his glory. That's why in verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation as a result you believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit the one promised by Christ. You guys don't miss this part. You were stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit that says you are owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee. It's the first installment, the first pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Dang. You have the mind of Christ. It's inherited. It's yours. You have the heart of God. You have the spirit of God. That's it, folks. Go live your best life this week. We'll be right back next week. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Lost Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on giveify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week.